Hello. Good evening. It is another trigger-proof transmission. I just want to make sure this is working. All is working. All is working well. Great. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another trigger-proof transmission as I get myself mentally, spiritually, emotionally prepared to answer some questions. Uh, I want to ask and check in. How are you doing? COVID has now been February, March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, November, like <laughs> nine months. <laughs> How you doing? Seriously. I started this group uh, in lockdown when um, COVID started happening. And hey, what's up, Lois? Um, I started this group in lockdown. While I was in lockdown, I had nothing better to do. My pregnant wife was in Victoria. I'm in Vancouver. And... I was like, I have two weeks by myself. I didn't even have my dog. You know, I was like lonely as fuck. And I'm like, all right, what am I going to do? Well, how can I, I asked the question, how can I give my gifts to the world at a time when they need it the most? So I created this group and within a few months, it's gone up to 2.2, 2,200 some odd members. Welcome that you're here. Hey, Marnie, what's up? What's up? If you hear a baby crying in the background. It's probably going to be crying. Um, he's feeding right now. And I just finished doing a um, group call with my mastermind group. And I really, I'm so grateful for this work. Because what I discovered during lockdown was that I could take everything that I'm already teaching my clients and now... And, and you know working one-on-one -on -one, we kind of walk them up the mountain whatever your challenge you're going through it's good to have a bunch of guides and a community walking you up the mountain and as I'm doing that and learning more about myself I derive some valuable insights that I was like well this is cool I'm in lockdown I might as well create a Facebook group for free and just do two trainings a day and so I would do two, not one, but two, because I remember it was tense. People were messaging me and going, your uh, one woman who's a single mom, she's like, your transmissions are like my lifeline. And I was like, oh, fuck, I didn't realize it was making such an impact. I just wanted to share nervous system regulation tools to help us during times where we don't feel safe in our bodies. And then when we don't feel safe in our bodies, how do you think our relationships go? How do you think our parenting goes? How do you think uh, our sense of purpose, direction, and going into the unknown? Because life is a big unknown. If my nervous system is dysregulated, I can't enter the unknown and be a contribution. I'm basically a victim to the circumstances, and I'm just wanting, you know, mommy and daddy to come rescue me. And unfortunately, mommy and daddy, Uncle Sam, uh, <laughs> Donald Trump, uh, Justin Trudeau, whatever your prime minister, president, uh, heads of state are, nobody's, I, I started this group to let people know nobody's here to rescue you. The government's not going to save you. Nobody's going to, you know, come and take you out of your, your, the, the anxiety of uncertainty that you're dealing with because nobody really has it figured out. However, if you give yourself permission to step it up and become the person that can regulate themselves by self-assessing, by being able to understand the mechanisms of neuroscience, which we all, I recommend, I mean, in order to, to master this, you need to start becoming a little bit of a nerd for 
physiology, neurophysiology. And it's not as complicated. It's not like crazy complicated. You don't need a PhD. Um, if you just have somebody kind of teach it to you in a way which makes sense and, and, and you can actually see it and then practical tools each and every day, then all of a sudden you can start to see a shift. And I would start to get messages from people saying, holy crap, your trainings are amazing. They're helping me. Uh, I, I got triggered by my mom. And normally the old version of me, I would have just jumped at her. But now I was able to, uh, you know, really mitigate that. Or I was a better parent. I've become a better parent because of these trainings. And this is, this is what I hear constantly from my clients. And I wish I could take credit, but the credit all goes to you when you choose to become a master of your nervous system. Hey, Yanni, what's up? I always love seeing Yanni here from uh, from Australia, Central Coast Australia, probably one of the most impactful um, uh, overview experiences that we did in Sydney, where she managed to weasel her husband in and sitting in the seat in the in in one of the events that we did in Sydney it was one year ago actually it was a one year anniversary and he showed up and he literally transformed his life over a weekend and we became like family and it was probably one of the most uh, heart opening moments I had her husband sitting in the hot seat and I took him through my overview method and he's had I don't know how many I don't even know how many years of challenges with himself it was basically his own worst enemy and in that moment he became his own best friend healed a, a, a healed a challenge with his father this real big breakdown he hadn't spoken to his father for four years hated his dad was like i can't be with my dad because if i'm in his space i'm gonna kill him it was that bad he's like i'm going to maim him and so shortly after he healed his relationship with his father and they had their first kind of christmas together and so i still get pictures of him and his dad and now his dad gets to spend time with his son who was one at the time he was now five he had no relationship with his grandfather so now he has a relationship with his grandfather his son mason now and the other kids have a relationship with their grandfather and that just reminded me of why i'm doing this exactly why i'm doing this transmission right now is because i stand for healed families i i truly believe in everything that i've ever learned and everything i've ever studied in mind body healing a breakdown with the bond with mother and father because of you know trauma and shit happens and they do stupid shit and you do stupid shit <clears throat> and you act unconsciously and they act unconsciously. And because of all of this unconsciousness, um, we're not right with ourselves. We, we can't really be right with ourselves. We have people saying, oh, I, I hate my mother. I refuse to be in the same room. She's my abuser. She's this, she's that. And I'm ousting her from my life. And that might be necessary for a period of time. And I also know that deep down inside, there's a part of our soul that yearns for connection especially with our primary caregivers especially if there's like an adoption or it's just this calling within us to just reunite and and make whole that's what healing is it means to make whole and so everything uh, any every one of my trainings are all about healing and making whole so that might be a little triggering uh healing and making because healing and making whole are completely impossible unless we expose the truth and there's nothing more triggering than the truth that's why I have this 
concept called trigger proof because I want to teach people that we can't be triggerless, but triggers aren't something for us to run away from. Triggers meaning nervous system activation. When you're confronted by something in the present, which actually in your body is a past event that's unresolved, and you react from that place, from that unconscious place of a wound uh, from the past, that past event starts taking over and becoming the future. So we basically repeat the past, which is the past of your parents, which is their parents, and it's kind of like this matrix. And so becoming trigger-proof means unplugging from the matrix, which allows you a sense of free will and creative will in your in creation of your experience with relationships, in creation of your experience with your creativity and purpose. Right now, as I'm speaking to you, it's an expression of my creative self. <clears throat> it's an expression of me breaking free from the chains of my past uh, that have me feeling extremely unworthy, uh, that, that self-doubt takes over, procrastination and self-doubt that blocks me from stepping up and sharing with you my gifts, the gifts that are inside of me. The, the music that's inside of me wants to come out, but my stories of my past block it. So the, the process of becoming trigger-proof is the art of nervous system regulation from a body-based perspective and a cognitive base, which allows you to unlock this past story and allow for a new conscious, present time uh, version of you, your higher self, to create from the inspiration of your heart. This is what we all want. We all want this. We also want to have relationships which feel nourishing rather than this draining experience of chasing love, this draining experience of fighting to, 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 to work for love, or this draining experience of feeling that the people that you're with, if you're an avoidant, are, are, are too needy and wanting to push away love. And this pattern of being so needy of love, yet pushing away love, yet deeply uh, wanting to give and receive love and this inability to give and receive love fucks with our lives, <laughs> messes with our relationships. And uh, what ends up happening is we are no longer in control. Then we then end up becoming externally driven. And the questions tonight that you asked, yeah, it has been uh, one year, Yanni, which I absolutely love. The questions that were asked today, I, I did a post earlier and I said, hey, what do you want to know? I'm going to come live tonight and I'm going to answer some questions. What do you want to know? And one person said, one person asked, um, uh, I think it was Samantha. She said, um, you can scroll down and see my post later. She said, how do you, how do you deal, essentially with, in, in, in a word, she said, how do you deal with the crippling, paralyzing, like, I'm going to die pain of heartbreak? So that's, that's one question, which I'm going to answer for you. And then the second question was by, uh, I believe it was Mary Estelle, and she asked about uh, her mother, her mother with a religious background. It seems as though from her description, she wasn't really clear on the question, but it seems as though from, from her description um, that whenever she has an experience with her mother, who is religious, like maybe a fundamentalist, um, she feels like that she's disappointing. She goes, like a mother, her mother is kind of saying, I'm so disappointed in you. So this constant feeling of disappointment. So, and then 
Another one, Shirin, who's my uh, Persian sister, uh, says uh, that she has a, a brother who's married to, her, you know, her sister-in-law, his wife, and her sister-in-law hates her and her whole family, and now has now taken sides and then pulled the brother-in-law. Excuse me, pulled her brother out, and now the brother doesn't talk to the family. All right, and interestingly enough. I'm going to creatively tie all of those together in today's transmission for you. And the reason why, if you stay to the end, you're going to learn is that when you really get this right, you live in a way where, number one, you're not so judgmental of your emotions. You're able to sit in the discomfort of your emotions. You're able to produce results in your life. And you're able to uh, take responsibility for whatever consequence of your action. All those three things are confidence. When you master the skills of becoming trigger-proof and commit to the process, you all of a sudden show up in this unknown, because truthfully it's unknown. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know how the markets are going to do. We don't know about this COVID thing. We don't know what the government's going to do. I have no idea how the next six months are going to play out. However, what I do know is because I've chosen to master these tools, I can now sit in the discomfort of my emotions. I can now tell the truth in each moment and I can be intentional and create rather than having my old stories create for me and break down all my relationships. So here's what you do. The first question about heartbreak. You've been listening to the Trigger Proof podcast designed to teach you the most important skill necessary for a dramatically changing world, which is nervous system regulation. Becoming trigger proof doesn't mean trigger less. It means learning how to regulate ourselves to bring us back to center so that we can then be governed by our purpose rather than from our wounds. Anytime there's reactivity, there's a wound. And if you're curious and inspired to learn more, join us at Breathwork and Badassery or the Overview Experience and a combination of both actually helps you do the work. There's a difference between listening to a podcast and actually showing up live and doing the work with a badass community who's all about breaking cycles of intergenerational trauma. It didn't start with you, but it can end with you if you're willing to do the work. See you at the next perfect time. Break. How do you deal with the paralyzing, disgusting feelings of heartbreak. Samantha, my heart goes out to you. We've all been there. Um, that feeling, that burning sensation, it's kind of like this, it's kind of, I remember when I was younger and I felt it for the first time, I was 18. I was 18 when I had that experience of heartbreak, my first love, she left me. And I don't think I recovered for four years. I did not have that painful feeling in my chest disappear. It was there with me like a stab in my heart for four years. Now, here's the crazy part. I think I did a transmission, my last one, about getting over an ex. That feeling sometimes never goes away for people because if they don't really get and understand this, it'll never go away. You will probably go from one relationship to another 
and that will never go away. It will basically run, it will, it will do the choosing for you. That feeling or the avoidance of that feeling will have you choosing somebody that's not really from the, from the uh, inspiration of your heart. Does that make sense? So essentially the first thing you're going to do, Samantha, is you're going to welcome the feelings. You are going to allow them. You're going to really freely allow yourself to express them. You're going to give yourself permission. It's okay to feel so-and-so. It's safe to feel heartbreak. It's, it's totally allowed and permitted. Because here's what happens. If you don't allow the feelings, they're there, and then you're going to turn around and then you're going to judge them. And what happens is, is that makes it worse. When you have a feeling of heartbreak, it's painful. What's worse is having the feeling and then making yourself wrong for it. That's downright fucking unbearable. And what I'm going to get you to do, Samantha, here's what you do, is you're going to write down these four permissions. It's okay to feel my heartbreak. It's, I'm totally safe to feel the grief. I'm allowed to feel the grief. I have permission to feel the grief. You're going to allow yourself because the feelings are coming up so that they can leave. If you don't get that, you're going to stuff them down, and the longer you stuff them down, the stronger they become. Whatever you resist persists. And so you're going to really appreciate, you're going to put on sad songs, and you're just going to fucking bawl. Now, the biggest obstacle to this is the thought that, wait a second, if I let myself start crying, if I go into those feelings, then I'm never going to come out. That's the biggest objection that I get from the clients that we work with in our programs is that, wait a second, I'm here to avoid, I'm here to fix these feelings. I don't want to feel them. I say, no, that's old personal development. What everybody's kind of like talking about right now is let's do these, let's clear them. Let's clear them. Let's do the lines of the Demartini method so that we can clear them. And what I've discovered after being a student of John's for the last 15 years is you want to do the exact opposite. Don't clear them at all until you first give yourself full permission to feel them. The reason why they come up is because they want to leave. They're coming up so that they can leave. So you're going to allow that. That's your first step. So I want you to spend good quality to that's why it would have been great to have you at breathwork if you were at the breathwork um that's what we encourage i would have i would have you know had you on zoom you would have shared i'm dealing with heartbreak i'm like all right sam here's what you're going to do samantha you are going to let yourself freaking wail and cry and people have such resistances during our breathwork sessions they, they admit it after, like, wow, I was really blocking it. I'm like, exactly. Breathwork is a place where you, as a, we as a community get together once a month and we give our space, we give ourself time and space to feel because we understand that you suppress those feelings not because you're a bad person, but because you've been conditioned to self-abandon. You've been told, don't cry, don't feel that way. You shouldn't be feeling that way. So now you have this this feedback loop that's kind of like a, a, a little glitch in your nervous system that has all of us, it's a glitch that we all have that makes you think that you're wrong for having these feelings. So what you're going to do is you're going to fix that glitch and you're going to give that Make sure you show up at our next breath work. You better be there. And the overview experience is the next step. Once you've allowed yourself the feelings, the reason why you have grief <clears throat> and you aren't complete in your last relationships 
and you have heartbreak is because you haven't seen the fair exchange and you haven't seen how that relationship filled your needs, your all of your core needs of your personality, and you haven't seen how you filled the needs of that other person, and you're feeling a lack of fair exchange. You feel that you're owed something, or you feel guilt and shame about something, and you're beating yourself up for that. So once you've cleared once you've cleared the story that I shouldn't feel this way and you've allowed yourself to feel it and you've now fallen back into your tears and you've given yourself permission, your nervous system goes from like complete dysregulation in dorsal, which is kind of like the freeze response, numb, which I think you mentioned in an earlier training, I feel numb. Now we know why is because you're not allowing yourself the grief of the heartbreak. Once you now have allowed yourself, which is scary as fuck to do, that's why it's good to have a mentor and a coach and a guide and a community so that everybody can hold space because it's terrifying to allow yourself to go back in those. I'm telling you this knowing full well that <clears throat> most of the time when I do these trainings and I kind of make these suggestions, people don't actually do them. Why? Because it's uncomfortable. You're not going to want to do them unless you have skin in the game, unless you have a mentor and a guide guiding you. But this is essentially what we do for people who are actually serious about doing something about it. You give yourself permission to feel, and then you're going to balance out the equation of what you got out of the relationships and out of the relationship and how the breakup served you, who you were when you got together, what was your belief about yourself, why you know why was it a perfect kind of like toxic um, you know codependency. What needs was he filling within you that you didn't have for yourself? And once you see that, you're like, oh, okay, well, no wonder I have heartbreak. It makes perfect sense because I haven't given myself all of those things that I, that, that I thought that he filled. And now you have a perfect path and a roadmap to be able to fill that up. <coughs> this is what happened with Aaron, one of our clients who was dealing with massive heartbreak. Also, Ryan. It was four years since he had dated anyone when he started working with us, uh, Ryan. And it turns out he didn't only have heartbreak, but he also had guilt. He was holding on to guilt, and he had done so much cognitive work to kind of clear it that he wasn't allowing himself to feel. He started with breath work and just phew, let some emotions out. And he was like, I've never cried like that in my life. I'm like, good. That's your nervous system regulating up the ladder from dorsal state to sympathetic to ventral. And afterwards, he's like, sign me up. <laughs> we started working together, and he not only fully, we held space for him to fully feel all those feelings, but then he started to see why it was a perfect match of, of unconsciousness, what needs he filled for her, what needs she filled for him, and then all of a sudden the heartbreak was gone. He was able to talk to her and get complete. And then he started dating for the first time in four years. And he's like, I'm having a great time. His first date came a little codependent and he noticed it and it kind of crashed and burned within two weeks because it was super intense. But as soon as it was done, we were able to go, hey, can you see how you were like you hadn't dated in a while? You were basically trying to make her your freaking North Star. And he's like, yeah, I'm like, great. 
So you have that experience. Are you ready to now get more congruent? And so there's this, you know, re-entry back into the dating world and to, 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 to open your heart again is going to be scary. And then you're going to maybe have some hurt again and go, oh no, I've tried to, I've been numb to try to protect myself. And that's part of it. It's part of it is, is opening your heart and, you know, becoming vulnerable again. That's where true love comes in. And it's scary. So it's really wise for you to have a guide in that process. My heart goes out to you, but those are the two things. Number one, give yourself full feeling. And number two, see how it filled the needs, how you filled his needs or her needs. I'm not sure if it was a guy or a girl that you're dating. Um, and uh, start to learn the process of filling those needs yourself. The last thing I'm going to mention is that feeling of betrayal and unworthiness and shame that you're dealing with isn't new. It's coming from a younger part of you. There's a younger part of you that's actually hurt. It's not about him. He is just an effigy of the real problem. There's an unresolved attachment wound there, and it's imperative that you solve that in the process. It's work. But that's the work I went through after my last heartbreaking breakup a couple years ago. And I said, you know what? I don't care whatever it takes, whatever distance I have to travel, whatever price I have to pay. I want to learn to do the one thing that I've never done in my life. I've had successful business. I've had great accomplishments. I've traveled all over the world. I've never been able to securely have a healthy relationship that wasn't transactional, manipulative, codependent. It was always based on needy, push-pull, games, transactional. And I actually, I'm now 43 years old at the time. I was like, this is the final frontier. This is what it's all about because I haven't been able to enjoy anything, really, all of my accomplishments, without having that. So that's the most important thing. So I said, I'm not going to work. I'm putting everything on pause, and I want to learn how to become the container to be able to have a healthy relationship. And you cannot have a healthy relationship if you're still holding on to baggage from the previous one. So I learned how to unpack it and everything I'm sharing with you is what I did. So I teach what I needed to learn the most. Not only am I the president, I'm also a client. It's like the hair club for men. All right, Beth Ann, I love this. Yes, glad, glad to have you here. I know you get all excited about the transmissions and um, yeah, I'm glad that they, they, they resonate with you. Beautiful. All right, so the second question <clears throat> was about uh, disappointing my mother. Mary, this one's for you. I'm constantly disappointing my mother. All right, it's kind of like she's religious. I go over there and I have to just cater to her and do all of that. Well, here's the deal. This is an unresolved attachment wound. Essentially, she's bringing up stuff for you that feels, when she says that thing, you're basically, when you're around your mother, you have this big freaking dark cloud of, I'm not good enough. And then when she has her religious um, kind of decencies and idealisms, and then she projects them onto you, which it sounds to me like you don't resonate with it, you all of a sudden turn around and you say, <clears throat> you all of a sudden turn around and you say, then you make it mean that you're unworthy. In other words, you've abandoned yourself. And it's not even your fault. It's because you were conditioned to do it that way. And your smallness and insignificance is deep in your soul. It's like a mind virus. 
it's your what I call the dark passenger. It's what we have. It's like, I'm not good enough. And when your mother comes to you with her religious idealism, you should go to church, I'm disappointed in you, and boom, all of a sudden, Mary, who's not, you know, 30 years old, 35 years old anymore, I don't know how old you are, you are now eight years old being scolded by mommy. And there's a younger part of you that is needy of, you, of your attention and feels unworthy. And so you'll go through all sorts of behaviors to not have to deal with that. Say yes and agree, placate, that's called fawning, fawning and pleasing. Or you'll get triggered and you'll go the opposite way and say, fuck you, I don't want to see you, and I don't want to be around you. So that basically is how it works. Is that is that right? Does that uh, does that answer that for you, Mary? Um, can you resonate with that? The answer is is to understand. This is a big one, <clears throat> and you'll see this as a mother too, because moms who don't resolve this end up coming in like this other mom, Heidi, and saying, "My teenager hates my guts, and is acting out in school. Why?" Ah, uh, because that uh, he, he's doing so and so, and I I I know that this is something in me. Because before before she really understood this work, she's like, "Can you fix him?" And now she gets that. Oh, okay, there's something in me. So then I asked, "Where's what's this bringing up for you?" When he has that, she goes, "I feel shame that I'm a bad mom." Ah, so how do you behave? I try to control him. I try to say this. I tell him I'm disappointed in him. Ah, okay, cool. So have you had that experience? And she's like, oh, that's what my mom used to do with me. In other words, Mary, what I'm saying is, if you don't really learn how to get this, you are unconsciously, not because you're a bad mom, you're unconsciously passing your disappointment down toward your kids. Okay? And once you start to do the work and you... Uh, really unpack this. We did this over the over at the overview experience where we literally take a bird's eye view of your entire life and we see how you're the perpetrator, you're the victim, you're the rescuer, how you see all of that. Once you see that, you're like, holy shit, my mom controlling me and telling me she's disappointed is actually her own shame about herself. Which I'm making about me. Does this resonate? Let me know if this resonates with you. This is exactly it. Essentially, if you've ever had the experience, mom, <laughs> in other words, Mary, where you chastise your children for not behaving a certain way, you did it because, not because they're bad, but because their behavior made you feel like you're a bad mom. So you're, this, that's en enmeshment. <laughs> this is enmeshment. They have a feeling and now... You're a bad mom. It's like Dominic, if you can hear him crying right now. If he's crying and I, all of a sudden, the little, you know, the perfectionist in me, all of a sudden is like, oh my God, I'm a bad father because Dominic is crying. I make it about me and then I get frustrated at him. Why are you crying? Instead of, hey, what can I do for you? What's going on? I'm reacting to his tears because I'm making it about me. That's what we do to our kids, and that's exactly what your mom's doing to you. She has her idealisms. She has her religious upbringing. She's plugged into the matrix. Welcome to anyone who has organized religion. And I'm not saying this, um, you know, to uh, 
downplay religion. I mean, a lot of people, I have clients who are Muslim, who are Jewish, who are Christian, Baha'i, and they're choosing powerfully because it's aligned with who they are. Great. But if it was mommy, if you're there because mommy and daddy did it, and it's not something that comes from an inspired place, then chances are you are living in a way where you're virtue signaling and having to judge other people's behaviors because you're judging your own behavior. And because you're her daughter, she's going to turn around and say, she's going to turn around and say, um, I'm so disappointed in you. What she's actually saying is, I'm so disappointed in myself. Because I, because you not being Christian, Jehovah's Witness, whatever it is that she is, you not being that means I'm a failure as a mother. And that's really sad. And I'm sorry you're going through that. I'm, I wish that you had a situation where you had a mother who can tell you, you know what, I, you, my love for you, and my accept, my, my love for you, and my, uh, uh, my state of unconditional love for you is not dependent on you being the same religion as me or behaving in a certain way. I love you regardless. I wish your mother had the capacity to know how important it is for her to say that. She doesn't. She doesn't, and it's not even her fault. Soon as you really get that, all of a sudden, the game starts to change. Okay? And then, if you don't get this, you're going to turn around, and you are going to pass that shame on to your child. And this is how intergenerational trauma happens. This is what happens when you just watch YouTube videos or Facebook Lives, and you don't, and you get all excited but you don't actually show up to do the work. You say, oh, I'm thinking about it. It sounds interesting. Let's see, let me listen to your podcast. That's great, but it's not the same as actually showing up to break the cycle. Because willpower is not enough. This is something deep in your body. It comes up, it comes up as a trauma within your body, having your, your reality invalidated. And in order for you to solve that, you must be able to go inside the body and solve it. And that's not something that is available with talk therapy. You gotta be guided. You have to have a guide. You have to practice. You gotta be committed to the process. Breaking the cycles of intergenerational trauma is no joke. It's not something you read a book about. It's something you commit wholeheartedly to. The cost of not committing is your children will then have all of your shame downloaded to them, which was downloaded to you by no, none, no fault of your own. And unfortunately, if you're taking the red pill instead of the blue pill of going back to sleep, you will go back to sleep. If you don't take the red pill and do something about it and take an action step, you'll take the blue pill, go back to sleep, and repeat those processes every time you get triggered. And then your kids, unfortunately, get that. And the reason why I do this work, again, is I stand for healed families. I'm doing this so that families can heal. Because my mom is not going to do this work. And I am doing this for them. Yeah, I wasn't ready last weekend. Yeah, I'm not ready. I get it. I'm not ready is also a trick of the ego to help you avoid your feelings. I'm not ready. I can't afford. Like if when what I've, what I've observed is people who say that if it was their child, if it was before their child, they wouldn't hesitate, right? But if it's for your own wounded inner child, ugh, you're not, right? 
Beth, exactly. I could see that you're not ready. The, the, the people who show up on my Facebook Lives, which I love. I absolutely love that this is landing. What I see is people getting excited. The ones with all of the – just look back on all of the ones with the exclamation marks. The more exclamation mark you have, the less committed you are to actually solving it because you're just looking for some sort of a validation in the moment. But actually, the work that it takes means going into your body and going, oh, I'm going to actually confront it. I can't keep avoiding it. I can't keep avoiding this. And whenever I'm, I've been doing this for a while. So whenever I have people who are on my Facebook lives who are following me and the more exclamation marks people put on and the more, oh my God, this is like the answer. The more exclamation marks I see, the oddly enough, the less commitment to actually solving it because they get excited. What happens is we get excited that there's a possibility. But then when it's like, oh my God, there's there's the answer right there. And then it's like, okay, there's the answer. Let's move into solving it. Uh, no, I'm not ready. I just want to, you know, I just want to see that there's an answer. You know, I, it's like my biceps. Oh, that's it. I'm going to gain muscle mass. It's to build, it, it, pick up the bar and do the bicep curls. That's what I got to do. All right, so let's pick up the bar and do it. Uh, no, I'm not ready. Why? Because it's going to be painful. Mm, okay. I'm busy. I got a lot on my plate. Okay. I understand. All I'm saying, and this is sometimes a little bit confronting to, to hear, I get it, but this is what I do for people. This is what people uh, hire me to do is to listen and I kind of listen and I go, uh, 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 can you spot the bullshit right there? Can you see that? What's the most important thing? <laughs> right? And I know it's confronting. People say I trigger them all the time because the truth is triggering, but the truth will set you free and first it will piss you off. Okay, so I hope, Mary, that was a great question. I hope that answered it for you. The answer is when you commit to the work and you go all in, you're able to show up with your mom at your mom's place and she'll be like, you didn't go to church? I'm so disappointed. And then you can say, I know that, I know mom, that must be really disappointing for you because your faith is so important and you're doing everything you can. I appreciate that. I'm a mom. I want what's best for my kids and you want what's best for me and you want to guide me down the right path and you feel that if I don't go to church, then I'm going to hell and that I'm not having a, 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 a spiritual, a proper spiritual connection. I just want you to know how much I appreciate that and how, what a great mom you are for wanting that for me. I appreciate that. <laughs> When's the next one? Yeah. Message me. <laughs> Message me uh my uh if you when's the next one? I love that you're I love that you're asking. Send me a DM and I'll send you a link. When's the next one? Send me a DM, I'll send you a link and try to figure out the excuses that are scaring you from being able to attend. And you have a I think a four week runway, five week runway to plan for it and, and join us. Which these trainings are really powerful. We had a mom come in because she actually asked the same question. Well, she's like, oh, I can't handle this with my, uh, I had several things to do. Also, yes, eh, yes, I hear you calling me up. All right. It is. It, it, but here's the thing, Lois Ann. You only have, Lorianne or Lois Ann, I'm not sure which one it is. You only have access to that when you're healed, when you've healed that attachment trauma. Otherwise, you're reactive from the eight-year-old 
you lose touch with the functional adult. The answer is when you become a functional adult, you're less at the effect of your parents' ego, egoic need to control you to make themselves feel better about themselves. You see it and then you go, mom, thank you. Now, because my mom does it to me all the time, I'm like, mom, thank you. She's telling me what to eat. I'm a fucking doctor. And she's like, you know what you have to do? You have to do this. You have to eat this. She came over and brought us vegetables. You guys have to eat vegetables. Try this vitamin. Do this. Do you take it? You know, she's doing all that. And before, I'm just like, Ur. now I'm like hugging her, going, Mom, thank you so much for loving me so much. Lorianne, thank you. Lorianne, L.A. L.A. Walker. It sounds very, <laughs> hey, my name's L.A. Walker. It sounds like a country music singer. Ladies and gentlemen, L.A. Walker. Hello. Anyway, so the third question. Uh, from a Persian sister asking about um, conflict in the household. Uh, I have a brother who's married to this woman, my sister-in-law. She hates all of us. She wants nothing to do with us. And now she's pulled the brother away from me. Hmm. I went through something like this with my twin brother and his... Uh, I went through something like this. I have a twin brother. Believe it or not, there's another one of me. <laughs> Uh, there's another one of me out there. We don't look alike. We're fraternal. He's a dentist and uh, great, great pals. He just texted me right now. He's got two kids. I'm an uncle. Um, and uh, he married somebody and the family was like, mm, we don't really like her. I was like, oh. you know, it was like that. And she felt the exact same about us. It was clear. It was like obvious. You could feel it. You could sense it. And so both parties are like, hmm. And then there's been periods where there was disconnection. So Shirin Jun, I want to tell you, I see you. I get it. <laughs> yeah, there's another one of me. <laughs> oh, shit, right? Well, he, he's part of the reason why I am like this. Actually, I have a great... Um, a little uh, video that I'm going to post in the group of the two of us at a hockey game when we're doing a little skit together. We're really good, good buddies. And so I'll post it right after this. Check it out. Um, so essentially what you are to do is to understand this fundamental concept. So what we do is we take you out because right now you'll notice when she's doing that, your, your, your stories you're saying are, what are we not good enough? Why are you being such a bitch? Like, why did you take my brother away? And it's all victimhood, right? The way that you get out of this is to get out of the victimhood. <clears throat> naturally, when we get triggered, naturally, when there's conflict, we will go right to victimhood, not understanding that there's other things at play. What causes me to, 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 to Stay away from family members and friends. Think about it. It's not so much that you hate them. You only hate people because they, you perceive they make you feel a certain way about yourself. Let me say that again. The only reason why you will avoid me is because I say things that reveal things to you that make you not like yourself. In other words, I trigger your self-abandonment. Okay? Self-abandonment, I mean, we talked about this at the overview experience. We go deep into this in our trainings. Hey, there you are, Shirinjun. Yay, you're here. You're watching. Okay, good. So <clears throat> if, if we are in an interpersonal relationship, the reason why I won't like you 
is not because specifically about you, is because when you are around me, you bring up feelings within me that causes me to abandon myself, causes me to feel rejection, causes me to feel unworthy, causes me to feel not good enough. And because that feeling is so intolerable to me, and I don't know how to resource myself when I'm around you, I am going to choose to stay the fuck away from you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. And because my ego is so protective of that wounded part of me, that wounded child, instead of acknowledging that I don't like coming around you, because when I'm around you, you bring up things through your conversation, through who you are, that reminds me of my own inadequacy. I don't feel lovable when I'm around you. I don't feel appreciated when I'm around you. I don't feel seen when I'm around you. I feel less than when I'm around you. And instead of dealing with that within myself, I'm going to have this beautiful thing called my ego that's protecting that shadow, what I'm describing as the shadow part of me, my unworthiness, my... Uh, I'm going to create this ego blocking that shadow that turns around and says, fuck you, you're a bitch. I hate you. You're a, you're a snobby bitch. You're so pretentious. You're so full of yourself. My ego's going to come up with reasons to hate you so that I don't have to deal with my own inadequacy when, when I'm around you. Does this make sense? When you get this, this is a fundamental truth of human behavior, instantly you've now switched that glitch that makes the distancing about you. The truth is, the thing they, <clears throat> in all likelihood, Shirin Jun, they don't like themselves when they're around you. They can't, con the, the boundaries, if I have to set a boundary and push you away is because I have to keep myself in. In other words, I can't be around you without abandoning myself. It's, it's called enmeshment. Whatever emotions you have, whatever reactivity you have, if you're having this, these reactions, I can't contain myself without blaming myself, without making myself wrong, without feeling guilt. So because that's so uncomfortable, I then would rather resent you and be away from you than to deal with my own inadequacies when I'm around you. And Shirin Jun, that sucks that that's the way it is. However, when you understand this, it gives you perspective. And what your job is to do is to take care of you and validate you first. And then, I mean, it's your brother. You're not always going to get along. What is your outcome? I'll tell you what I would do. Clearly, family is important to you. You're Persian like me. So I living a life not like even though, you know, our, this, my sister-in-law is like not the favorite in the family. Not having a relationship with my brother is, is not an option. I want a relationship with my brother. It's important for me to have a relationship with my brother. It's important for me to be close to my niece and nephew and to be part of their lives. And so then that's the outcome that I want. So if that's the case, then I'm going to do the necessary work to make myself as unconditionally loving to whoever she is as possible. Because, well, like I, I mean, you might disagree with me, but that's the reason why I'm here on this earth is to help people heal family dynamics. And I can only do that by first looking at myself and taking responsibility.
right? I'm glad that this is landing for you, Shunji. I'm glad that you asked because I really, this is important, especially in Persian families where, I mean, no offense, you know this to be true, like 100% all of our Persians are pretty much run, we're run by our egos, right? And because we've been raised with this high expectation, you got to be this, you have to have, make this much money, you have to have the nicest things, you have to have da-da-da-da-da-da, or you're not good enough. So we then are chasing after this, this, this elusive feeling of worthiness if we have certain things. And if I'm around my brother, there are times where I didn't want to be around my brother because he was more successful than me. And I literally would avoid being around him because I went through a career change and a divorce. Financially, I had huge setback because of those things. And my, meanwhile, he's fucking killing it. And I had to go over to his place and remind myself every day of my own unworthiness. I then instead told the story, you know what, I'm going to avoid you. We don't get along. And I come up with all sorts of excuses to avoid him, leaving him feeling like he doesn't have a brother. Does that make sense? So it's all ego. It's all fear of unworthiness. And if you can just appreciate that, what I would do if I was in your, sh your case, Shirin Jun, I would reach out to him regularly with a text and say, listen, I get that you're distancing yourself from us. I miss you. Um, I would love for you to feel heard. I'm open to receiving some feedback so that I can help make it more comfortable for you to be around me and us and mom and dad. I, I'm committed to reaching out and sending an olive branch because you being in my life is an, is an important thing to me. And I get that whatever I'm, you know, feelings I'm bringing up for you, she doesn't trigger me anymore, but I seem to still seem to trigger. Yeah, whatever feelings I'm bringing up for you or your wife, I'm willing to look at it. I'm willing to grow. Uh, because you're that important to me because I love you and I get that we haven't got along but there's no reason why we can't come to a you know an agreement I mean you start by uh, you know you like I I I take here's the difference between me and what I notice is I I live by this principle and I think that it's a really wise principle to live we talked about this at the overview experience yesterday is I want to I I want to take full responsibility for creating the container in my family because I want to be the creator. I'm the creator. I'm not a taker. I'm not a victim. I'm the creator of my life. And if there's a conflict, I'm the creator of creating a connection. I have the capacity. I have the tools. I have the skills. And I have the desire that in my mind, when I envision my life, a healthy container of a family where everybody feels seen and loved and there's openness of giving and receiving and there's vulnerability and there's truth and there's intimacy and there's authenticity. That's the kind of life that I'm creating. So in order for me to do that, I need to take responsibility for creating that within myself. First, once I've done that by healing my own attachment wounds, I then emerge my functional adult. I then become the adult. And then instead of two children fighting, which is what we do, you know, we have brother or sister, me and my brother will get triggered and then we'll get into sibling rivalry sometimes, but I'm able to nip it in the bud because I have access to my inner adult, my functional adult inside. The question you want to ask, what would my functional adult self say and do? And that's the work. It's not easy. I discovered 
that not learning this causes breakdowns in family dynamics, which then causes stress, which then causes anxiety, which then causes health problems and illness and disease. And as a healthcare provider, I can adjust you as a chiropractor, but if you have an open loop, an unhealed, unresolved wound with a family member, that is messing up your nervous system. I don't care how you're sitting there pretending, oh, I'm fine, I don't need them. It's not, you're not well. And the good news is no matter who they are and what a monster they are, you have the capacity to heal it if you're willing to take responsibility rather than playing the victim. Most, I would say 90% of people would rather play the victim and expect the other person to see them. The way that I healed with my parents was I released myself of that expectation and I took it on myself. And now I have the capacity to have a healthy relationship with my parents. And when, not if, when she triggers me, my mother, when my father triggers me, twice in the last week alone, I have been able to resolve the conflict single-handedly myself because I dedicated myself to becoming trigger-proof. So hopefully this transmission tied it all together um, if you're jumping on just right now, you can go back and check it out. If you haven't watched the um, the training that I have, the 90-minute training, I'm wearing this exact same outfit. I was in Brazil, and I did a 90-minute training on the, the elements you need to master to become trigger-proof. And, um, yeah, let me know. Send me a DM and say, share with me your story, and I will send it to you and give you a promo code. you got to watch it. It gives you the language. It gives you the path forward. So I love teaching it. I love sharing it. And uh, again, I stand for healed families. And uh, all of this is not just for me. It's for my family, my son, Dominic. I want him to learn this stuff too. Because when you learn this stuff, you become a magician and you can create your life rather than being run by these old unconscious complexes and call it fate. See you at the next perfect time. Let me know how this landed for you. And if you have any other questions, peace out.